You're listening to Church on the Park Inspiration Podcast. Brought to you by Holy Fire. And broadcasting from the heart of Brisbane City, Australia. Speaking today is Pastor Glenn Gerhauser. Today, the message is entitled, How to Handle Stress God's Way. How to Handle Stress God's Way. And this is Praise Part 2. So this is Part 2 from last week. And I'm going to read the scripture in a moment. It looks like we are ready. And we've quieted down. God bless you. And uh, good to have you with us this morning. If we can all stand in honor of reading the word, if you're able to stand. And we're going to be reading this morning from Acts chapter 16, verses 22 to 34 in the NIV version. So it's a few paragraphs. It's not too long, but it's a few paragraphs. Acts chapter 16, verses 22 to 34. Are we ready? We're ready. And then I'll lead you in a prayer and then I'll pray. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. Amen. Now, before we sit, please put your hands on your hearts and pray with me nice and loud. Dear Jesus, speak to my heart. Transform my life in your precious name. Amen. You may be seated. And Father, I'm asking that you give me grace to share your word, that you touch my lips, that you would flow through my heart, that you would have your way, and that you would teach us your ways this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. 
So this is number 12 in Metamorphosis, the way of transformation. We've been on this journey, and especially now we're focusing on the subject of praise. The theme this morning is this. Stress gives us a unique opportunity to see God's glory manifested in our difficult situations. <laughs> Can I say that again? Stress gives us a unique opportunity to see God's glory manifested in our difficult situations. So the question before us this morning is, how can you handle stress God's way? And in Acts chapter 16, verses 22 to 34, what we just read, Paul and Silas's response to being stripped, beaten, and locked up gives us the answer. Their, their response is very similar to Jehoshaphat's response. And it was to pray, to sing, and to praise the Lord. Paul was soaked in the scriptures from a young boy. And now he's putting into practice the very things he learned from the rabbis. It's the power of praise. And so he would have knew the story of Jehoshaphat. He would have knew how Jehoshaphat in this seemingly impossible situation where everybody was attacking him, all the enemies were coming and attacking him. Jehoshaphat said, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. And, the whole, and he started the battle by singing praise. And, and as he praised the Lord and as the people sang, God set ambushes against their enemies. And this is the same thing that is happening here in the book of Acts. So last week we focused on 2 Chronicles chapter 21 through 30. And our first point of response when under pressure was to pursue God. And then our second point last week was to raise a voice of praise. So pursue God, that's what Jehoshaphat and the people did. And next we see they raise, they raise a voice of praise. And what we learned is that praising God welcomes his kingdom on earth, transforming our atmosphere. So praising God actually transforms the atmosphere, and that's why it's so important. So today we're going to cover four more points that spell the acrostic praise. So we covered the P, pursue God, the R, raise your voice, raise your voice of praise. And we're going to cover the rest of the word praise this morning, especially focusing on the first and the second, and the rest will be like a, a summation now. I made a new infographic for this. It's at brisbanefire.com slash infographics, brisbanefire.com slash infographics. This one is not printed, but you can see it's, this is what it looks like, how to handle stress God's way. You see what it looks like, and you can get it and download it to your phone, and it's going to help you to remember this message. Of course, we'll go, we'll go a lot deeper today. Okay, my first point this morning is this. Appreciate the attributes of God. This is the A. Can I hear an amen? amen. Appreciate the attributes of God. We see that this is actually the whole purpose of praise 
And in Acts chapter 16, verses 25 through 30, what do we see them doing? We see them praising God. And I'll read some of this again. But about midnight, so the hour is dark. They're locked up. They're beaten. And it's easy for them to fall into the stress of all of this. Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God. And what praising God does is, and what praising God is, is we are appreciating the attributes of God. We heard Anna do that this morning as we were praising God. She was appreciating the different attributes of God, who God is, his nature. And you can always continually see something fresh about who God is or see his love in a fresh way. And here Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And there's people that are listening to our praise. A few weeks ago, someone knew someone in the neighborhood. And on Sunday morning, they lift up their uh, windows to listen to the music. And I remember uh, a while ago, there was uh, one of our old students was uh, on the... sitting under the trees all the way over there. And she didn't know that our church met here. But she was with a client. She's a social worker with some clients. And she said, oh, I could hear Anna worshiping all the way on the other side of the park. So our praise goes out into the whole community. People are listening. And they were listening back then when Paul and Silas were praising God in the prison. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there came a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison house were shaken. And so here we start to see the manifestation of the kingdom of God breaking in on them. And immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were unfastened. When the jailer awoke and saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself. Supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice saying, do not harm yourself. We read this before, for we are all here. And he came and he called for lights and rushed in and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. And after he brought them out, he said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? There's a greater miracle in Acts 16 that we often overlook. There's a greater miracle in Acts 16 that we often overlook. Amazingly, through Paul and Silas' praying and praising God, appreciating him and his attributes, amazingly, the earth violently quakes. Did you read that? Did you hear that when we read it? The earth violently quakes. And all the gates flew open, and the prisoners' chains fell off. Quite amazing, this physical manifestation of the heavenly kingdom of God. And this meant, though, the end for the jailer. All the prisoners would run for their life, right? So the jailer is about to commit suicide because all the gates are open, all the chains have fallen off. He has failed at his job to keep the prisoners uh, locked up. So this would mean the end of his life, the end of his career, right? But that's not what happened. He was about to commit suicide, but he didn't. 
what happened was something very miraculous. Paul, Silas, and the prisoners stayed put. Now, to me, this is a greater miracle than the gates flying open and the jailers, uh, I mean, not the, the people in jail, their chains falling off. The fact that Paul, Silas, and all the prisoners stayed put. Have you ever thought about this? Because I know if the prison, if all the gates opened up and what's the local prison around here? What's it called again? Wake Hall? Okay, Wake Hall. We'll say Wake Hall. <laughs> In America, it might be like Rikers Island or something like that. I know if all the gates broke open there and all the chains were falling off, the prisoners would be running like mad. This is my opportunity to escape. This is my opportunity to get out of here. And people would be running for escape. But something happens here very extraordinary, very unusual. The prisoners stay put, and Paul and Silas stay put. The prisoners staying put and not moving, though they were set free, is the greater miracle. To stay safe, I mean to stay, sorry, let me <laughs> rewind here. To stay for the sake of the gospel when you have an opportunity to escape is the apostolic way. So Paul and Silas, they didn't make a break for it. They stayed. And why did they stay? Even though they could have had their freedom, they could have said, hey, here's an open door. Here's a miracle. God is telling us to get out of here. But they, Paul and Silas, the other prisoners might have not fully understood this. Of course, they did not fully understand this, but they had a sense of the fear of the Lord in this event happening. Paul and Silas stayed. They stayed put when they had an opportunity to escape because they wanted to share the good news, the gospel, with the jailer. Are you starting to see this? This is a different mindset than most of us have in that we want our own freedom. It reminds me of what the Moravians did. In order to preach the gospel to the slaves in Africa, they, they sold themselves into slavery. And this reminds us of the cross, that Jesus didn't have to go to the cross, but he did to bring salvation to us. This is the apostolic mindset. This is the Jesus way. This is a different way. And so listen to this part again. Here the prison, uh, here the, uh, the jailer is about to kill himself. But Paul cried out with a loud voice saying, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And he called for the lights and rushed in and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. This is the jailer. And after he brought them out, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They're staying. The love that they showed in staying and waiting is what 
won the jailer's heart and the jailer saw his need to be saved. What must I do to be saved? You see, all the prisoners were following Paul and Silas's lead because they were the spiritual authorities there. And the same thing goes for our lives, especially in stressful situations. People are listening to us. People are watching us. People will follow our lead. What are we going to do? Uh, one time I was asking my pastor, Pastor Dennis Hodgelick, for counsel. And he said to Anna and I, people are, just know that people are watching you. They, they're, they're looking at you, seeing how you're going to respond. Make sure it's a testimony of Jesus Christ in how you respond. So today, in stressful situations, people are looking to genuine believers like you and me. What are we going to do? Are we going to live selfishly? Or are we going to be centered around the good news and the gospel? I don't hear many amens here. The good news of the gospel, amen. The gospel is the good news. This greater miracle, Paul and Silas caring about their jailer and staying put, allows them to lead the jailer to Jesus. In this, Paul is becoming all things for all men, as he said elsewhere. The jailer went from suicide to salvation in one day. From suicide to being saved and his whole household being saved. And then having Paul and Silas over for a meal. And they rejoiced greatly having believed in God with his whole household, it says in verse 34. The salva and this is the greatest miracle of them all out of this whole thing. We had the first miracle is, well, let's say the first miracle is that instead of coming under the stress, Paul and Silas praised the Lord. And this is an example for us to praise the Lord in all things, in all times, to give thanks to Him and to praise Him, even in the midnight hour, even when we've been beaten and locked up and ridiculed and accused, to still praise the Lord. That's the first miracle. The next one is that the earthquake happens. And the gates all open and the chains break off. That's the second one. And usually that's the only one that people see. The third one I'm saying is that they stayed put. Because they were looking to see what does God want to do here in this situation. This is not, the good, this is not a good situation. The jailer's about to kill himself. Uh, these guys could all run free. It could be chaos. But the third miracle is that they don't respond in a selfish way. But they're, they're waiting on the Lord. What does he want? And then the fourth and the greatest miracle of all of them is that the jailer gets saved. But not only does the jailer get saved, but the whole household gets saved. And they welcome Paul and Silas. Do you see this? Jesus saves. Amen? 
And how did he save? He used the praise of Paul and Silas as the catalyst. And that's what we're doing here as a church. That's our purpose is to praise the Lord. We all have, we all have had tough weeks. We all have had tough days. We've all had a tough year, two years. I, I'd have. I don't know if you have. I know you've had too. But we come here each week and every time we gather to praise the Lord. And when we praise God out of a sincere heart, as we appreciate His attributes, what happens is gates are opened and people are set free spiritually. And the greatest miracle is that inward salvation of the heart. That people are set free from their sin, from their old life, from the world and its ways. And they experienced the good news, Jesus Christ. And what did, he use, what did God use as the catalyst? It was Paul and Silas praising the Lord. This is a little bit of a reminder of last week, but stress can cause us to have two reactions. One is to focus on the problem and come up with our own solution, a solution in the flesh. So we focus on the problem. Here's the problem. What is our solution? We try to figure it out. We lean on our own understanding. We come up with a solution in the flesh. The second is, and this is the right way, in stress we need to focus on God and get our eyes on Him. To get our eyes on Jesus. This response always unleashes the supernatural power of God. Like Jehoshaphat said, here's this great host, the multitude about to swallow up Judah and the Jews. And Jehoshaphat says, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. We don't know what to do, but our eyes on you are on you. And this unleashes the supernatural power of God. It also unleashes God's love. The power led to love, loving those who needed saving. So there was power in the jails being open, in the chains falling off. There was power, but there was more than just power. And that's the thing when we're reading the Gospels and when we're reading the Bible, often what we're noticing is just the power, but we don't notice the other thing, which is married with the power and is the most important thing, and that is love. We may notice the faith. We may notice the hope, but then we forget the love. And the love is seen in Paul and Silas leading the jailer to the, to the Lord. And they had every, every reason not to because the jailer was the one that locked them up. The jailer was the one that put them in chains. And it was the government who beat them up. And it was an illegal beating because they were Roman citizens. So this was not even supposed to be done. They were not to be beaten like this and publicly ridiculed, and yet they were. Paul and Silas could have got bitter, could have lashed out when the gates opened up. They said, let's go. God did this for Peter. <laughs> How about for us? Let's run for our lives. But they didn't. They were, they would, there was an inward waiting in their heart. What does God want to do here? And it was all about salvation. So we're going to have to lead people to the Lord who hurt us and abuse us and try to lock us up. 
But our goal is to lead them to the Lord. And this is what it means to have a gospel mindset. We're always thinking about the good news. We're not thinking about our rights first. We're thinking about what does the Lord want to do. We see this expression of God's love, loving those who need saving, loving those who attack us and harm us, forgiving them and loving them enough to share Jesus with them. They could have said, well, this person just had locked us up. We should just let him commit suicide. He deserves it. We should get, he should get what he deserves. But no, no, no. The greatest miracle of this story is how praising God led to love. And why is that? Why did it lead to love? It's because when you praise God, you focus on his attributes, especially his chesed, his chesed, his kind and loyal love. Over and over in Scripture, the Old Testament, the Hebrew word is chesed, and they're con constantly celebrating the Jews, the chesed of God. And we see that this is what their song is in the Jehoshaphat story. It's give thanks to the Lord for his hesed, his kind love is everlasting. It's forever. It was just this song that they sang, giving thanks to the Lord and celebrating this attribute, attribute of God, his love, that caused God to fight their battle and for him to set ambushes against their enemies and to actually free them from the threat. So what is chesed? It, basically, this word is speaking of God's love, but two specific aspects of God's love, his kindness, his kind love, and also his loyal love, that he is loyal and faithful, kind, gracious, and merciful. This is all communicated by, this is all communicated by this word chesed. Now, according to 2 Corinthians 3.18, and we'll read it in a second, when you look at Jesus, you are transformed into his image, going from glory to glory. So this is what praise is about. It's about looking at Jesus with the eyes of our heart unveiled and seeing his love, seeing his faithfulness, seeing his loyalty, seeing his kindness, seeing his grace, seeing his mercy. And as you see that and as you celebrate that, you are inwardly transformed. And as you're inwardly transformed, this brings transformation to the atmosphere around us. And it's the only way the people of Brisbane and Australia are going to get saved is if God's people take seriously praising him and seeing him and appreciating God and all he is and not looking at our situation, but looking on God's beauty, his glory. That's what the glory of God is. It's his beauty. Let me read this to you here, 2 Corinthians 3.18. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed. This is this metamorphosis word in the Greek. Are being transformed, metamorphosized, into the same image from glory to glory, just as from 
the Lord, the Spirit. So see yourself as you are, your soul is meant to be a mirror. And it's a mirror of Jesus. Uh, a mirror to reflect Jesus, let me say it like that. So the more you behold him, the more you reflect him. And you actually increase in, in, in with glory. You become more like him, more, more of his faithfulness and love is in your life. And, and Paul and Silas had been gazing at Jesus for a very long time in their walks. And in that situation, they kept on gazing at Jesus, singing and celebrating him. And so they had the nature of Jesus when the jailer was about to commit suicide. And they were able to sh share with him the good news. And let me, let me read this again. But we all, this is 2 Corinthians 3.18, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. When we come together, it's not for a religious reason. It's not to make the pastor happy <laughs> or make Anna happy. Let, oh, we want Anna to feel good, so we're going to praise the Lord. <laughs> or we want the people that are serving to feel good. That's... The reason why we come together, the whole reason we gather together is to see him. To see his beauty, to see his glory. When we see him, we are transformed. And, and praise helps us to see him. Singing helps us to see him. That, and, and that is what brings the transformation into society. So if we do this rightly... We're here. God's put us out in the open for a reason. We're here. As we keep on praising the Lord, we should see people getting saved. It may take some time. But we're here to keep on praising the Lord. And you do that in your own neighborhood, you'll start to see people come to salvation because you are praising the Lord. And, and God has a purpose for us, and that is that we are his salvation army. Amen. It, we're not a part of that denomination, but we appreciate William Booth and everything he has uh, imparted to the body of Christ over the years. So the glory of God is like a diamond, and God's attributes are facets of this otherworldly diamond. And when you're appreciating God, praising him, you're looking at, you're reflecting on just one facet and aspect of God's glory as if he is a diamond. Of course, he's greater than, than a diamond. How are we going? How are we going? Just checking. That brings us to point two. The next ones are quicker, and this is the I, inquire, inquire. In both the story of Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles 20, and Paul and Silas, there's praying and inquiring of God. So when Jehoshaphat didn't know what to do, he inquired of God. This is much like what he talked about at first. He pursued God. To inquire is to ask. Say the word ask. And God loves questions. But there are two kinds of questions. 
First is asking a question to seek understanding. You want understanding. You want to know what God wants you to do. And this, there was this sincere inquiry from the jailer. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And that question led to Paul saying, believe in the Lord Jesus and you shall be saved. And not just you, your whole household can believe and they could be saved as well. And I find that when we praise the Lord, people start asking us questions. What is this that you have? What is this joy that you have? What is this peace that you have? How can I be saved? How can I be changed? And uh, that's a good thing. So when we praise the Lord, it moves people to inquire. And then also, so we're reflecting on other people inquiring of the Lord, but also us when we're in a stressful situation, we need to inquire of the Lord. So the first kind of question is to seek understanding. But then there's a second type of question, and that is asking a question to trap someone. And the Pharisees were experts at this kind of questioning. Look at Luke chapter 20, verses 22 through 23. The, they're asking him, and I'm going to turn over there. Luke chapter 20, 22 to 23. Neither the, we find the Pharisees and here the scribes and the chief priests. And in verse 19, we see the scribes and the chief priests tried to lay hands on him that very hour. And they feared the people for they understood that he spoke this parable against them. So they watched him and sent spies who pretended to be righteous. And sometimes we have that today in order that they might catch him in some statement so that they could deliver him to the rule and the authority of the governor. They questioned him, saying, now notice this type of questioning. It's not a good type of questioning. They're trying to trick him, trap him. Teacher, we know that you speak and teach correctly. <laughs> so they're, li they're lying to him. And you are not partial to any but teach the way of God and truth. Is it lawful for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But he detected their trickery and said to them, show me a denarius. Whose likeness and inscription does it have? They said, Caesar's. And he said to them, then render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. And they were unable to catch him in a saying, in the presence of the people, and being amazed at his answer, they became silent. So they were asking a question for a whole nother reason, a, a wrong motive, and that was to try to trick them. Is it lawful for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Well, that coin that he asked for showed the image of Caesar. All of us our souls are meant to have the image of God imprinted on them like a coin. And what happens is when we praise God, we start to reflect that image and likeness of God. So I want to say inquire of God, find out what does he want, but don't do it to uh, try to trick. 
trick Jesus, he's always going to he's always going to spoil those plans. When you ask the Lord questions, it should be to know him more. The foundation of the questions we ask should be surrender and submission, not fighting and rebellion. Neither should we inquire of God to find out about stuff and do the opposite. We're not sampling wine or tasting at a buffet. We're here to find God's will. The Father answers the sincere heart, the heart that wants to know and obey Him. And it's critical that you inquire so that in your stress, you don't react in the flesh. Flesh. <laughs> so that in your stress, you don't react in the flesh. Remember, under stress, you can either fight in the flesh, flee, or the alternative, the third alternative is fervently seek God. So beware of when you're under stress, there's this natural mode of fight or flight. Fight or flight. But there's something greater, and that is surrender to God. So instead of fighting in the flesh or fleeing, Surrender to God, inquire of Him, and say, Lord, what do you want? What is your will here? What do you want me to do? Listen to how Jesus teaches us to pray in the Lord's Prayer. And we're going to look at these 10 portions of the Lord's Prayer, and they're a guide for us. I'm going to go quickly, so uh, you won't be able to get this all in your notes, but you can go back to the notes and, and see this. We see that the first part of the prayer, our Father, focuses on the person of God. He is our Father. Then our Father who is in heaven. There's the place of God. So we see the person of God first. Then second, we see the place of God. Then it's hallowed be your name. There we see the third thing is the praise of God. Next, it's your kingdom come. Fourth, we see the presence of God because the God... God's kingdom coming is all about His presence invading earth. And then fifth, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We see the purpose of God. Six, give us this day our daily bread. We see the provision of God. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. We see the purification of God. Eight, Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We see the preservation of God, God's will to preserve us. And nine, the power of God for yours is the kingdom, power, and lastly, and the glory forever. Amen. Ten, we see the perfection of God. So these aspects of God and who he is should guide and direct our prayer. So we should be praying in alignment and with this, this pattern of the person of God, the place of God, the praise of God, praising him, the presence of God, the purpose of God, the provision of God, the purification of God, the preservation of God, the power of God, and the perfection of God. It's these 10 uh, principles and we would say uh, aspects of God that should guide our prayer and inquiry of God. And again, let's remember that when the jailer saw this active in Paul and Silas, he also inquired and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So I want to live such a life that people 
They want to ask questions. They want to say, what must they do to be saved? I'm not trying to take the gospel and jam it down their throat. They see the light, and then they're coming, and they're asking, and then you have the hope to give them. Do you see that? That's the life that we ought to live. Third, third thing is the S is to sing. And this is a bit of a summary. The last two points are a bit of a summary of what we've been saying. To sing. Listen to Colossians 3.16. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. This is Paul exhorting us. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. There's been a number of studies done about singing and how it relieves stress. One study suggested that singing was more effective at relieving stress than a body massage. massage. And no matter what, singing helps relieve stress. And yet singing to the Lord is not just for our own benefit. It's for something much higher. And we see this in Acts 16 and 2 Chronicles 20. We see that it welcomes God's kingdom and moves him to fight against our spiritual enemies. And we also see it bring salvation to people, setting them free from their prisons and chains. So singing is actually a form of evangelism. Praising the Lord is a, a way of inviting God's kingdom to come and break out. It sets people free. So evangelism isn't always handing someone a track. I've done that a lot. I've handed people tracks, and that could be good. But also we need to see that singing, even singing personally on your own, maybe someone hears you as they go by, maybe no one hears you, but singing is a way of sharing the good news. Yes. Amen. And I'll read that for the, for the recording. What's at Psalm 40, verse 3? We'll turn over there. Psalm 40, verse 3. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and will trust in the Lord. So we see the power of singing to the Lord. So like I said last week, when we come and we gather together, you know, there's a time to sit and be still before the Lord. But especially when we come, we just have a small window of opportunity to praise the Lord. It's not time to sit and say, try to move me, Holy Spirit, if you can. <laughs> it's time to get up and praise God. Even if you're not feeling like praising the Lord, you're commanding your soul to praise the Lord like it does in uh, Psalm 42. 
you're praising God. You're lifting up your hands. You're expressing praise to God. That's coming to our last point because we're almost, almost over here. Now, again, listen to the song in 2 Chronicles 20, 21. It wasn't long, but it was potent. This was the song that they offered up, Jehoshaphat and the singers. This is what it sounded like in Hebrew. It's very short. Hodu la Adonai ki le'olam chasdo. Chasdo is his, his chesed, his loving kindness. Uh, it focused on thanking God and God's eternal love, le'olam, olam is speaking of forever, everlasting. And it reminds us also of Psalm 136, which Psalm 136 continually repeats over and over, ki le'olam chasto, for forever is his kind love. That's where it's recounting the history from creation and Israel and then there's meant to be that response for his love endures forever or his loving kindness endures forever. And it says it over and over and over. So we shouldn't be, we shouldn't tire of saying the same things over and over. It's not meant to be kind of a dead ritual. It's meant to be us seeing afresh the glory of God, letting that glory of his love get deeper into our souls. So in the same way that they did, we should focus on thanking God for who he is, what he has done, and what he is doing. Jesus is Lord above our storm and stress. So this leads me to the last point. So how are you going? And this is the E, express your praise. It goes along with what we were just sharing. Express your praise. Praise is not meant to be locked up in your heart, but expressed. So stand, sing, lift your hands, dance, raise your voice. This is how we are called to praise the Lord in Scripture. Do I hear it? Amen. It's meant to be expressive. It's not meant to be locked inside. It's meant to be seen and expressed through us. Because if you're not going to express praise to God, do you think that uh, the government officials are going to do it? Not necessarily. Some of them aren't Christian. Do you think that just the ordinary people in the world are going to do it? They're not going to do it. You are the ones. And if they don't see you praise God, they're not going to see that praising and glory of God through your lives. But Paul and Silas, they chose to praise God in the darkest circumstance. And that set them free. And it set others free. So remember all the examples of active praise in Scripture. And when we gather together, let's remember, this is not a funeral. It's a time to celebrate Jesus' resurrection. Amen? He's alive. You may stand. You may stand. So let's, let's put this into practice now. Also, you can get the summary of the message at brisbanefire.com slash infographics. And this is that praise infographic. Are we ready to praise the Lord?
For, uh, for us as a church, this is a new, new beginnings for us. New beginnings for us. There's been many people that have moved on. But it's an opportunity for us to begin again. I'm uh, hoping to raise up a whole new preaching team, as well as, of course, those who have been preaching for a while from the different graduates. I'm hoping that we can have home groups where we talk about these things, maybe once a month or uh, fortnightly or something like that. But these are this is some of the vision that the Lord's put in my heart. But right now, we're going to just praise the Lord because God's put us here to praise Him. Amen? And I'm going to, pr- I'm going to pray first. Father... Even if our feet are shackled, we want to praise you because we know it sets us free. And even if we can't see clearly, we want to get our eyes off of ourselves and onto you. We want to see your glory break out in our church and we want to see people set free and your gospel and salvation come to them. We want to appreciate you and all your attributes right now. And we want to express our praise to you and not hold anything back. So help us to praise you, Jesus. Amen. Let's just spend some time praising the Lord. <laughs> 